you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our existence. And uh, he, he alone is the reason we're here today, the reason we're on your radio, the reason we're coming across to you. Four feet away is still, Kevin, this is great, not having to deal with putting a phone through and those types of things. Is it working? Is the coach too close to a railroad track? Whatever the case may be. <laughs> but I want you to know, four feet right now, it's been pretty cool. But at any minute... Someone could come pounding on the door. So you just never know. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm just going to give you an easy one. I was hard on you yesterday. Mm. And, the, and really, last Friday when we asked how many words did Moses write in the Bible <laughs> and uh, just assuring that you were going to fail, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? You need the reference. You know what, brother? If you, if, even if you quote it, we're giving you the 20 Jesus points. Jesus wept. John go. 11 something or other. <laughs> there you go, friends. Jesus wept. And because Jesus wept, we can rejoice evermore. The two shortest verses in the Bible. I did a sermon one time. Because Jesus wept, we could rejoice evermore. Praise God. Ah, that was a good... Oh, man, people used to cry. I got to dig that bad boy out. I, I yeah. haven't preached that since 2005. And, wow, uh, man, you better. Was, I'm going to. Uh, man. That, that was a that was a good one, man. That was back in the day, man. And uh, anyway, folks, as we continue to move forward, we're looking at the life of Christ. So, so I'll tell you, Kevin's at fifty percent for the week, and and anyway, thank God for that. And I think he's coming back. I think this is going to be the time. Uh, we want to talk about being afraid. Kevin's not afraid of the trivia. He hops right in with no fear at all. Amen. Uh, but when we think about, uh, we're going into, obviously we're studying the life of Christ. We know that we're going into John chapter 14, that first verse in John chapter 14 and, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And we, so we got to deal with fear here. We got to deal with being afraid. We got to deal with, uh, things. And I did a lot of research cause I've been in churches and Kevin and I were just talking about that where people get up and say, you know, uh, 365 times the Bible tells you to fear not or be not afraid. And there's all kinds kinds of different research. This is what I think. I think there's a hundred thousand times if you read the Bible that God takes your heart and says, Hey, it's all right. It's going to be fine. I don't know the exact numbers. We'll get back to you on that. But this is what I do know. God's word says over in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, will I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I sought the Lord, that great uh, Psalm 34, verse number four. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of all my fears. I know that my life verse is Psalm 34, six. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You know, we, we serve a God today that he, he is not the God of fear. Uh, he is the God of hope. He is the God of answers. He is the God. Uh, so, you know, God does not give us the spirit of fear, brethren. Uh, that's not from God. And, and, and Kevin, you know, so often, uh, if we're not careful, we can let fear take over our entire lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I was looking in the scripture where the first and last mention of fear not comes. And the first one is Genesis 15, one, that's Abram. Um, 
standing before the Lord and getting some revelations and so forth. Kind of a fearful thing when that happens. But it, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So that's the first one. The last one is the uh, angel telling John at the toward the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, fear not. Um, so here we've got Abram being told, don't be afraid, and then giving two, two great little thoughts. One is, I am thy shield, and the other is, I am the exceeding great reward. If you think about it, the one, it, the one is protection from a, a negative thing, and the other is the, the uh, bringing of a, of a positive thing. I am thy shield, meaning he is there to keep bad things from happening to us. And certainly, a lot of fear that comes during trauma or before trauma or after trauma is where you don't know whether something bad could come of this. What if? And those what ifs, Doug, are... They'll mess you up, yeah. They'll, they'll play with your mind. They'll get you all wrapped up. They'll get you in panic attacks. But I am thy shield is where God is saying, you know what? Your amygdala may be sending these, you know, sympath- your, your sympathetic or parasympathetic, which one uh, is, is the one that kicks the fight or flight. Your brain may be wired to do these things, but you know what? Keep in mind in the background with your faith, with your, like we talked about yesterday, I am thy shield. I will keep things that are over the top from coming your way without the grace to handle it. So then also recognizing I am thy exceeding great reward. If you do have to go through something bad, he will over exponentially because of the difficulty bring great reward from it. In fact, Paul put it this way, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. So the light weight is the affliction. The heavy weight is the reward. So the Lord says, don't be afraid. I'm your shield and your great reward. That's good stuff right there. And, and you know, that wonderful verse that I quote so often about he that is in you is uh, over in First John uh, 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because mm. greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And oh, friends, uh, uh, make that your watchword today. Greater is he that is in you. And, it, and it's real. And uh, I want you to know you can bank on that. So we continue on with the life of Christ. And it's so excited getting to John 14, a chapter that I preached out of my, my mother's funeral. And uh, once in a while, I still preach that sermon. I just really like the way God uses that. Yeah, you know, the Bible says in John 14, starting in verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house. Now, remember the audience here. He's talking to mostly Jewish people, uh, probably all Jewish people at this point. He said, you believe in God the Father. You're waiting for me. Then believe also in me. And then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Remember that old song, Kevin? I've got a mansion. It's just mm. over the hilltop. Mm. And uh, uh, folks, you've got a mansion waiting for you. It doesn't matter where you live here on earth. You have a mansion waiting for you. <laughs> and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. And then old Thomas shows up, but Thomas says unto him, Lord, we know whither thou goest, and how can we know 
the way. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? There's only one way to heaven, brethren. There's only one way out of here. There's only one good exit. And that's what Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And friends, we're either going to go the old fashioned way by dying of old age, some cancer disease, something, heart attack, or uh, he's going to come back with a shout and a trump to get us. Mm-hmm. But I, there's a couple things that came to my mind when I was talking about this. Is The Lord's saying, don't be afraid. Be not troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Brethren, I want to encourage you today. I want to exhort you today uh, to let go of some fears you have in your life, to let go of I'm not good enough in your life, to let go of uh, this is too much for me, to let go of, uh, well, I just want to stay over here and be comfortable. Let go of that. We told you last week. Week, pull out your black sharpie, cross out your plans for your life, and let God put the addresses in and the grid coordinates. Let God work <laughs> all that out for you when you do that. And then He gives us His great promise of a heavenly home. And uh, I was thinking, I, I remember, I think it was the cathedrals, wasn't it, who did that song many years ago? I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. <laughs> And someday, and I know it's an old hymn, there's probably 500 Southern Gospel bands that done it. It's a, I don't think there's a trademark on it or anything like that, but a promise of a heavenly home. Folks, I don't even go down the road without having a hotel reservation. I don't even, if, if I'm driving 300 miles from here and Debbie and I have got to do something, we want to see something, I have a hotel room rating for me. I have a reservation, but we as Americans, we probably do that often when we're going places. We say, well, I'm going to stay with Doug or I'm going to stay over here. You got it all worked out. But for so many people, they're not even thinking about their eternity. Friends, can I tell you something? You need to have a reservation in heaven. You need to cash in on, on Jesus' promises. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that promise of a heavenly home, and then the promise of a return. And, and he said he will come again. Uh, the Lord, he's going to come again. And, and folks, there's so much involved in that. And, 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 you know, old Thomas, he's messed up at this point. So Thomas, you know, first we had Peter messed up yesterday. And can I tell you something? Every day I read the Bible, we can say Doug's messed up, right? There's sometimes I have to stop, breathe, pray about things. And man, God starts to illuminate things to me. And, and when that illumination comes in my life in times of trouble, when, when the world seems upside down and I'm reading God's word and all of a sudden God says, fear not. Uh, Whoa. It's like, God, you wrote that for me all these years ago so that I could be here and learn from that. That's the great God we serve today. That's the wonderful God we serve. And I'm not pointing a finger at Peter from yesterday. I'm not pointing a finger at Thomas from today. Hey, hang with us. We'll be right back with you. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. You know, the great news is here, I don't think Thomas is near as eager, as near as impetuous, but I think he, you know, it's a natural human desire to say, well, how? How can we do all this? Folks, when we get to share the gospel with somebody and they say, how, why, uh, count it all, count it all great, count it all glory, God is allowing you to share that with someone. And Kevin, we serve this great God. He doesn't want us to be afraid. 
He wants us to trust in him. Yeah. And that, that fear that he doesn't want us to have is driven out in this, in this scripture where he says, don't let your heart be troubled. It's driven out by him announcing that when he goes away, he's going to go and prepare a place. So it's like, okay, I'm going away and I'll be back. But while I'm going, I'm going to be working on something and it's for you. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a picture it's pictured by the the jewish tradition or jewish custom of the guy that gets betrothed or engaged to a woman and he says i'll be back for you well how long are you gonna be gone and it's uh, i don't know exactly but it's typically about a year and he would go and literally work on a place for them to to live in for them to move into and that that uh, picture is is seems like what he's saying here. I go to prepare a place for you. And Doug, I love the fact that he talks over. He says a place, a place, and then he says away, away. There's two two times he talks about place, and two times he talks about the way. So it's wonderful that we have something waiting for us. In fact, place is the word topos, topos, and it's where we get a word topography. And it's uh, sometimes it's translated uh, as rocks, you know, and uh, a lot, many times it's translated place, but it's the idea of you've got a chunk of, you know, we would say down here, terra firma, a piece of earth, but um, you know, in heaven, there's a spot just as real as, a title deed, a deeded property on earth. You've got a deeded property in, in heaven. Amen. And that deeded property is waiting for us. And then it says that the way you know. So it's one thing to say, hey, there's a place. Now go, you know, kind of make your way there. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to, you've got the place in me. It's waiting. I'm building it. It's going to be prepared. It's heaven. It's these mansions, and it's these you know the street of gold and all these things. But then in me also you've got the way. So you're not going to miss the place because you've got me. I'm the way. You can't be taken out of the way because I am the way. And so we have a person making a place who is also the way, and we're just kind of like. We've got our homing device built into us. We're going to get there. Now, the the next thing is, are we going to enjoy it? Because the are we going to enjoy the way there? I know we're going to enjoy the place when we get there. We're going to have a, a, a vile body will be laid aside. It says there in Philippians, I think. But once we get there, or on the way there, excuse me, he, Jesus said, I'm the way. Then he says the truth and the life. So he gives us the owner's manual to, to as it were, maintain our, our vehicle, our life on the way there, our, our testimony, our, our body, everything, just, you know, how to, how to treat others. The truth, that's the, the absolute uh, uh, immovable uh, documentation of the word of God and then the life. That's how to enjoy it. The Bible says, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil on his lips that they speak no guile. So on the way in Jesus Christ, again, by a relationship with him, walking with him, 
we can have an enjoyable trip on the way to that place. And uh, I wish I could remember these things daily, Doug, but that's why it's great to get into the scriptures like we're doing. Oh, yeah, there's so much to ponder here, like what you were just going over. And, you know, what does trust in Christ mean to all of us? If he says he is the way, uh, the truth, and the life, what does that mean to us? How does How do we put that in perspective in our lives? And, you know, I was pondering this just a couple minutes ago while Kevin was talking, and, you know, with ADHD, you can do like 17 things at the same time. I, I was thinking Krispy Kreme is having a donut sale on Friday morning. I was thinking how to ponder this, and hoping they were having some dipped chocolate frosted ones. And, but anyway, this one, I, I got the email. Now, Sorry about that. Brother, I cannot multitask like that. You just ruined the rest of the broadcast for me i'm gonna be thinking about those donuts but but i'm thinking about what's our perspective and is there i guess this is the question folks let me let me uh say it this way or state it this way has there been a perspective change in your life because you know that christ is the way the truth and the life has there been a perspective change? Is your perspective different? I think it has to be. I know my perspective changed as I went forward. So you got to ask yourself, am I totally in with Christ? Am I all in? Do I believe this? Uh, do I trust this? And then we got to reflect really, and or the new word process on, you know, this idea like Kevin was saying, you're deeded. You've got a deed to heaven. And, and you don't got a deed to a cottage up there. You've got a mansion. <laughs> and, and, you know, down in America, I remember years ago, I went through real estate school and I I think some of you know this. I've ha- I have a complicated life, you know. I was on recruiting duty and decided I was going to be a multimillionaire years ago, so I went down to the community college, and that was back before you could use calculators and stuff. It would take one hour and five minutes to calculate a mortgage, and you'd have to pull out, that was my average time, you'd have to pull out our tax book for an area, mm. the 16% interest, all the ugliness. Yeah. And uh, But I will tell you this, this is what I learned, a mansion in terms of Connecticut real estate in uh, 1982 was 5,000 square feet or more. Wow. And uh, that was a mansion. So if somebody, so if you own 5,000 square feet or more in right now, you live in a mansion. But if you don't, don't worry about it. You got a mansion for you in heaven. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that God uses Connecticut law and how they <laughs> describe things. As a matter of fact, I know he does not. But our perspective should be different. There's a promise of heaven, and we have an exclusive salvation, Kevin. And this is a big deal. Uh, I'm telling you, growing up in ecumenicalism, growing up in a works type of salvation, uh, my life was a mess. You know, do I go over here do I play bingo? Do I do this? And is this important? Do I have to light candles? Do I have to swim around in holy water? I mean, all these things are, and, and I, I don't say those in jest. And folks, if you're doing any of this, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying God illuminated some things for me. And it's like, hey, you got an exclusive salvation. It's mm-hmm. not tied to your preacher. It's not tied to a bishop somewhere, a cardinal or a pope. It's not tied to management. It's not tied to your family. It's an exclusive thing. It's tied to Christ, Kevin. Yeah. Jesus Christ has been um, described as, you know, this ex- ex- exclusivity has been described. I heard a message about it or a preacher mentioned this, that Jesus Christ is like a funnel and going to heaven is like going through a funnel. However, the world's d- view of heaven is going through the broad end of the funnel and then you end up getting bottlenecked and never making it through because once you accept every way to heaven, every religion, every view of truth and stuff, you're just going to bottleneck and you're never going to make it and you're going to end up backing out. But 
Jesus Christ is like going through the narrow end of the funnel. So once you make it through that and, and recognize if I, if I'm ever saved, it's going to be by the Savior, Jesus Christ, as recorded in the Word of God. You know, like the Bible says, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his river shall flow bellies of living water, John seven thirty seven. So when we go through the narrow end, praise God, it all opens up on the other side. As we go into life, it all opens up. But we have to come down to that point where we're just willing to say, yes, Lord, the narrow way. Jesus is the only way. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I was thinking about these things. Ponder, reflect, process on these things today. Process on your trust in Christ. Has it changed your perspective? Process on the promise of heaven. Has that changed the way you live things? Does Can other people tell that that's changed things? Process that whole idea of exclusive salvation. There's only one way to heaven, and and that way is through Jesus Christ. And then be like Thomas. It's okay to seek direction. It's okay to ask the Lord questions. It's okay to read your Bible. It's okay to hop in. You know, maybe maybe ask yourself some of these questions is, how can I seek clarity and understanding from God? Well, it's in the Word of God. It's through praying to God. It's through doing things like, listen to this, it's going to church. Folks, we love you, folks. Thank you so much for tuning us in. May God bless you. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about growth. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation, or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.